Okay, Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for that introduction to the reading. Um, I'm under no pressure now to say all the things you're thinking about. So that's up to God, thankfully. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you speak to us in your word. Thank you for this great psalm with great words that remind us of your salvation, of the marvellous deeds you have done, of your worth, of your glory, uh, of the honour that is due your name. Lord, we pray that uh, when we come to bring our offerings and come into your presence, uh, that you would accept our lives and that we might love you better from being with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, um, we're about to start a trilogy, and I'm the first volume of the trilogy uh, of Made for Worship. And I've been given the volume Worship as Honour. Now, there's part of me that really thinks uh, there's really nothing much more to say. I could sit down now because it's kind of obvious, isn't it? Worship as honour. Uh, it's a very easy to think of those two things together because we would only worship something or someone that we honour, that we think is worthy of our respect, that we think is really fabulous. And we do this already when we uh, do things. We, we show honour to people, don't we? When we go to a wedding, for example, we honour the bride by standing, usually, when she enters the building. Though we don't usually worship her, that's up for her husband, we are at least demonstrating about how we feel about her on this occasion. We give her the honour due her as the bride on that day. 
Now, I recently went to see Rob Brydon, who is a Welsh comedian that I rather like. And again, I don't worship him, uh, but I do love his comedy and his performance and his accent and everything. And I discovered at this uh, performance that he also has a most magnificent Welsh singing voice, which shouldn't have surprised me, but it kind of did. Uh, his performance was outstanding. And I wanted him to know that I honoured him. I honoured his skills and his intelligence and his humour. I wanted to honour him for the way he worked with the crowd. Um, and he was just really fantastic. And I will admit, I was not very quiet about the way I honoured him. Because I was a long way away up in, imagine Hamer Hall, stage down here, stalls and then up here. I was up here. So, if I wanted him to know that I wanted to give him honour, I had to be loud. I was with four other people who were all introverts. <laughs> so, I had to make up for the four of them as well. There was a lot of applauding and cheering, and at the end, we all got to stand in a standing ovation. Basically, he made us because he wanted a photo. Um, but that was really cool as well, because in my heart, I wanted to stand up anyway. But, you know, I'm sitting with the quiet people. Um, so I didn't want to over-embarrass them any more than I already had. So our desire to actually show our honour, the way we honour people, you know, with the bride or with Rob, um, <laughs> we're on first name terms, of course, um, we demonstrate that not just in the way that we feel about them, but in what we do, in our actions. Just be really clear, though, I'm not suggesting we worship the bride or Rob Bryden. I want to be really, really clear about that. Now, I'm hoping you've still got your Bibles open on at Psalm 96, which is page 602. Because honouring God in worship is highlighted really quite plainly here when we reflect on all the earth singing and worshipping God as we heard in this psalm earlier. If you could just take it off the screen and leave the screen blank, we'll come back to that one. Thanks, Vicky. Because it opens with a call. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. And then, of course, later in verse 9, if you read down, worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The earth cannot literally bow down in worship to the Lord. Nor can the heavens rejoice. Nor can the earth feel gladness, as in verse 11. Nor can the fields feel joy. Or the trees of the forest sing. Verse 12. But the whole earth is called on in this psalm to worship the Lord. Why? Because of who he is and what he has done. Because if we go through the psalm, we can see lots of aspects of who God is. Verse 2. The Lord is our saviour. Verse 3, the Lord is glorious. Verse 4, the Lord is worthy of praise. The Lord is the creator of the heavens. 
In verse 6, he is splendid, majestic, strong, glorious. Verse 9, he is holy. He is the king and a fair judge in verse 10. And then right at the end in verse 13, he is righteous and faithful. That's a really cool resume of who God is. His marvellous deeds of creation and of saving works, his glory, his majesty, his power. The whole earth is called to see and come and worship, even though they can't physically worship or feel that joy and honour. We know that all of us, for we are part of creation, are called into that experience to worship in the things that we do, in the things that we, or the way we feel. We give God our worship and honour his name. These marvellous deeds of creation and salvation, they are actually the works of his hands that demonstrate who he is. Now, of course, for me, and maybe you're expecting this, it would be extremely easy for me to just turn around and say, worship is all about singing. Well, I'm hoping that you'll also expect me to say that this is not true. I don't want to reinforce the view that worship, honouring God, you can only do this in singing. I would love that to be true, but it's just not, okay? I mean, Psalms 96 kind of suggests that it is, kind of. And these words of the psalm, they were actually used as a song of praise by David and the priests when they returned uh, and recaptured the ark of God from their enemies. But believe it or not, even I can't ignore that there is much more to worship than this. During Lent, we actually heard many stories where people recognised Jesus as the Messiah or the Son of Man and they worshipped him. Now, this didn't actually mean that they burst into song, otherwise the Gospels would all be musicals, wouldn't they? But the Gospel writers really wanted us and all their readers and everybody who heard about Jesus, they wanted us to be absolutely clear that Jesus is God and therefore the only true focus or object or person that we should worship. So those people uh, who came to Jesus and recognised him and acknowledged him as the Messiah, as the Son of Man, as God, they actually were really sure in their hearts that they were in the presence of the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of their people, Israel. They knew that God and they recognised Jesus was God. So they physically knelt or they bowed down or they fell down or they just hugged him. Not a lot of... Well, actually, there was a couple of hugs, but there are lots of ways in which they expressed that physically, but that's because of what they knew in their hearts. They knew who God is and what he had done for them. And because Jesus is the incarnation of everything, 
about God that they knew and longed for. So I have to conclude that worship is probably a bit more than singing, though that's a wonderful way to express how we feel. Worship is something that we do and we honour Jesus in every aspect of our time together. Even sitting in this chair listening to me is an act of worship and honouring God because we hope that I'm talking about God's word. And worship is honouring Jesus in every moment of our lives. During the week, I decided to open up my really clever software called Logos. And it's this amazing, like it's like walking into a theological library, only it's all on your screen. I discovered you can get lost for far too long. Anyway, I did that because I wanted to go and look in the Bible and you can actually do this on your Bible app, so it's a bit quicker. In the NIV, if you go searching for the word worship, and you'll be pleased to know I'm not showing you the graphs or doing the whole geeky thing because... That would take way too long. Sometimes it's actually translated as bow down and worship. That is a physical act and what we do in our hearts or how we are in our hearts. This word just simply makes the point that there's the action and the intent, the heart, the goal of our worship. So when I was actually doing this word search, and you'll find this on your online Bible apps, in the NIVs particularly, uh, the first occurrence is actually in Genesis 22. The Lord had, this comes in the part where the Lord has already made promises to Abraham that he will be the father of many nations and he will have countless descendants, as many as the stars are in the sky or the sand on the beach. And the Lord tells Abraham to go up to the mountain and sacrifice his son Isaac as a burnt offering. And to most of us, when we read this story, and if you haven't read it before, make sure you do, it's a good one. To most of us, it seems like a really strange command from God because Isaac is the one that God promised Abraham as his son that he would have to start off all his descendants. So why would you kill the one son that's going to start off all your descendants and fill, fulfill the promises of God? We don't really get an answer to that question. What we do see is that Abraham obeys and takes his son Isaac with him with the intention of doing what God has commanded. Abraham says to his servants as he leaves and takes Isaac with him, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. This is an amazing thing to say actually under the circumstances because as we follow Abraham up the mountain in the story, he builds the altar, binds his son Isaac, picks up the knife to sacrifice him and only then does the Lord stop him and provide the ram for the sacrifice. You see, Abraham truly worships the Lord in his action of obedience, in setting things up to make the sacrifice equaled by his intent to go through with it, trusting 
all the time that the Lord would provide the sacrifice. Throughout the history of Israel, it becomes clear that the Lord is not interested in the actions of worship and bowing down and the sacrifices alone. He condemns the Israelites a lot of the time for what they're doing because they're doing it without their hearts turned to God. They don't have those feelings of respect and honour towards God for who he is. They've lost all that. And that's when God gets really grumpy with them. Now, you've probably noticed that I quite like worshipping the Lord with you here on a Sunday morning. Um, I actually also love worshipping with other Christian people in other places. So I'm not trying to belittle that experience of being here with you. I just love worshipping with Christian people who love Jesus. And when I do that, in my mind, I actually see people all around Australia. Think about it. Just draw that little picture. All the places around Australia this morning and this afternoon and this evening where people are gathering together to worship God together. And then I zoom out and I imagine people all around the world worshipping Jesus in different languages, in different places, in different countries, languages. And over the next 24 hours, though some of them started before us, they're all worshipping God and gathering together, big picture. So we're part of something really important here when we gather, but we're also so part of something really big and important around the whole world. Now, inevitably, my mind zooms out again and I go up into the book of Revelation written by John. In chapters four, and six, uh, four to six, John sees this vision and goes into the very throne room of God and everything is gathered around the throne, singing and praising and waving palm branches, praying and giving honour to Jesus, the lamb on the throne. And this actually helps me to keep my heart focused on God. And I love that our services together here are a little bit like a dress rehearsal for what's to come in the But until I get into the room where it happens, what will it mean for me to worship God as a way of honouring who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? I hope that you will see that what we do here together and around Australia and around the world and what's done in the throne room of God, the way that we worship is very important. Not just what we do, but who we're honouring and how we honour him in our lives, inside ourselves, how we feel about Jesus. Now, there's an ongoing relationship uh, throughout the Bible between sacrifice and worship, and it was also picked up in Psalm 96, in verse 8. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. So this idea of sacrifice or offering is very important. And we know that Jesus is the one true living sacrifice and offering to God once for all time that brings us 
back into a relationship where we can worship God freely. I'm sure there's many scholars that have written loads about this and if I'd spent more time in my little Bible Logos software, I'm sure I could have read all about it, been giving you all the dot points and explained it to you. However, I think you'll be pleased to know that um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to skip straight to Paul in his letter to the Romans. So in chapter 12, uh, in verse 1, Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, we actually pick this up quite frequently in one of our prayers that we pray together after we've shared the Lord's Supper. We usually pray, Father, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Gathering together is one important way of expressing as Christian people, as followers of Jesus, our worship as honouring Jesus. We gather here at a Christian at a place that's actually known for Christian worship and has been for some time. One of the thrills that I had living in England uh, many years ago was gathering at a place that had been doing that for a thousand years. Like, how cool is that? And when we gather together, we worship Jesus for who he is and what he's done. And then as we are sent out from our gathering, we go as people who want to live all of our lives in a way that gives honour to the name of Jesus, the one whom we worship as God, the creator, the saviour. I reflect on this a lot during the week uh, with my work, with my household, with my relationships, family, friends. What does it mean for me to actually worship and honour Jesus in my life? I spend time most weeks with my father in Geelong. He's struggling as his lifestyle and his health changes. And I can admit I'm exhausted from the travel and having to go through every conversation again and again. But I've noticed recently, and with great thanks, that the young girls in my household in Melbourne they really only have two songs that they ever want me to sing to them when I get the chance to tuck them into bed. One is about how God loves you, no matter what, because of Jesus. And the second one is from Galatians 5.22. The fruits of the Spirit are, and because it's in a song I can remember it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Gentleness, faithfulness and self-control, Galatians 5.22. I've done it without the tune, but I had to do the beat. So, in the last few months, as I've regularly been singing and meditating on these two songs, I have been reminded of who Jesus is and what he has done and the love that God has for me. I am so thankful for God's grace and mercy in loving me. 
And I think I'm beginning to see the Spirit at work, growing some of those fruits in, in me. And my compassion for my Father has grown. Yes, I'm exhausted from travelling and repeating things time and time again and having to go down and do the same thing again. But I actually want to be like Jesus to my Father. And I pray that the Spirit will give me power and wisdom to be that person. So for me, this is one way in which I worship God and praise the name of Jesus day to day. Now, I have no doubt that each of you have your own experiences of God when we gather together in our worship here. And likewise, I'm actually quite confident that each of you are asking those questions of yourself. How do I worship God in all my life? What is stopping me? What can I change? How can I bring honour to the name of Jesus in all I do and say? And maybe, who will I ask to pray for me and or with me? What I'd like us to do is stand and we're going to say this Psalm 96 together as our final act of worship in this part of the service. Please stand as the words appear. Together. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Amen.